At 21, Moroccan explorer and scholar Ibn Battuta left his hometown Tangier to set out on a journey across the globe. Over the next few years, he traveled to Egypt, Persia, Iraq, made a pilgrimage to Mecca, explored the coasts of Kenya and Tanzania, and then via Afghanistan arrived in India in 1334, where he joined the court of the then ruler Muhammad bin Tughlaq in Delhi. He was taken in by all things Indian, from the dance, music and royal meals to the humble charpai. This is how he memorialized it in his travelogue. The beds in India are very light and one of them can be carried by a single man. Every person when traveling has to transport his own bed, which his slave boy carries on his head. The bed consists of four conical legs with four cross pieces of wood on which braids of silk or cotton are woven. When you lie on it, you need nothing else to render the bed sufficiently elastic. This is a limited series podcast brought to you by Asian Paints Royal Play. Their latest collection, Tana Bana, is a range of wall textures inspired by India's rich heritage of handicrafts and weaves. We want to bring to you the beauty of these art forms, the stories of their origins, their color, their scent, and the euphonious sounds of the looms, all in the hope that someday these wall textures bring color to your life and home. My name is Rishi K and you're listening to Tana Bana. I grew up in uh, in Jaipur in uh, one of the old havelis and uh, the whole summer we would sleep on the terrace and this I'm talking in the 1970s. Every night the khat or the charpai, we call it manji, they would come out and a thin white cotton mattress would be put on it with a white cotton sheet and then there'd be uh, water that is sprinkled on it and my granddad who was a very shocking person he had rose water put on his only on his uh, us lesser mortals would not get in any of that but uh, you know that would really cool it up and you know we'd sleep on them throughout the summer and that was really good fun and in the mornings because you know the terrace is only a certain size these manjis would be taken they'd be put vertically stacked against the wall and left there so the carts became our palaces our forts our hospitals our homes and we would keep imagining what we could do and uh, you know i was the youngest you know amongst the younger cousins so you know i would invariably be the the baby in the ghar ghar wala situation so i i, I remember these these carts as uh, as these sort of multi-storied buildings that we could imagine and you know those days i think we had a lot of fun because our our actual playground was our imagination so you know i had these sort of fond memories of really playing with these carts that was ayush kasliwal a furniture designer based in Jaipur, who a few years ago put up an entire exhibition dedicated to Khat at the Serendipity Arts Festival in Goa. If you, like Ayush, grew up in India, you're sure to have memories associated with it. You may have seen it at Dhabas and enjoyed a meal on it, or played a game of cards or chess on it, or laid back on it gazing at a sky full of stars. But have you ever wondered where the charpai came from? The word charpai comes from Persian chiharpai, meaning four-legged. 
A piece of artwork in the Victoria and Albert Museum depicts a man carrying a cot with a woven rope pattern on his back. It is dated back to 800 BC. And while the exact origins of the Charpai are unknown, it is said to be indigenous to the Indian subcontinent and around 5,000 years old. It has been a popular piece of furniture in Afghanistan, Myanmar, Pakistan and of course India, where it is largely seen in the states of Punjab, Rajasthan, Uttar Pradesh, Madhya Pradesh and Haryana. Across India, the Charpai is made use diagonal and cross-weaving methods and a variety of ropes. We travel to Rajasthan and Haryana, where charpais are traditionally woven using rope made from natural fibers of the moon's grass, which grows in abundance in the region. To understand the process of rope making, we met Ram Kumar, a craftsman who has been doing this work for the last 25 years. Located at the foothills of the Aravali range in Alwar district of Rajasthan, his village Jeroli is home to many like him who make ropes. He ushered us into his home, where we sat down on a neatly woven moonj grass charpai. We asked him to explain to us how a rope is made, from start to finish. Once the moonj grass is ready for harvest, we cut it, clean it and dry it. We then soak the grass in water and then intertwine the fibers by hand to form a rope. It is finally put through a machine to make a bundle out of it. The machine is called a charkhi. It comes from Ajmer. Ram Kumar learned the craft of rope making from his father and told us that an ordinary person can learn the craft in about five to six months. After spending an afternoon talking to him about the craft and how it's helped him build a life, we crossed over into Nuh district of Haryana to meet a craftsman who weaves charpais. True to its name, the Gurmandi in Nai village is lined with shops that sell jaggery at the entrance. Furniture shops are located further down the road. While the shops sell different kinds of furniture, it is a hub for charpai making. It is here that we first met Shamsher, a master craftsman in his late 50s, who is skilled at making charpais in a variety of designs and styles. He has been weaving charpais since he was about 12 years old. It was a bit of both, compulsion and a love for the craft. My parents passed away when my siblings and I were young. My mother had woven a hand fan. Its design was similar to the charpai weave. I needed to make a living to support my family anyway, and so I decided to learn to weave charpais, also as a way of keeping my mother's memory alive. It would have definitely made a proud. At the shop where Shamsher works, one can see a variety of charpai designs. Some get its classic golden brown color from the moon's rope, while others are colorful with patterns inspired by nature and even local architecture. Some even weave names and numbers on the charpai. The variety in design and the use of colourful ropes have emerged primarily out of changing demands. And Shamsher tells us that maths is an essential part of the weaving process. We need to count ropes based on the design. Only then can we create the desired pattern. The environmentally friendly piece of furniture has long been an integral part of Indian culture. From weddings, birth and death rituals to dhabas, the charpai has been ubiquitous. 
Back in the day, whenever Indians travelled, their beloved Charpai travelled with them. In the 18th century, when the British recruited Sikhs for its police force in Malaysia, carts became a common sight on the streets of Malaysia because the Indian soldiers carried them abroad. Even a friend recently told me that his grandfather too carried his Charpai with him when he migrated from his village in Haryana to Mumbai. If there were one object that is quintessentially Indian, it would be the cart. It has got all the essences of what I believe is Indian design. And it is uh, grossly underappreciated for what it is. It is a singularly smart and relevant object for today. And it answers many of the questions that that we are dealing with, you know, as a as a society, as a as a people, and probably looking back at something as simple as the cart, we might be able to reflect back as to what is it about us as a people that we need to carry on into the future. The other thing also, what makes it very uniquely Indian, is that it's very frugal in its use of material. Uh, frugal in the sense it uses so little in terms of the material it is used, and it uses it so expressively. And as an object also, it is so multifunctional. In the day that charpai functions as a daybed, it is used for rest in between chores, mm. for drying grains, for having meals. Kids use it as a support while learning to walk. It doubles up as a ladder to clean hard-to-reach corners of the house and is even today used as a stretcher to carry patients to the nearest health facility. All in all, it has been an integral part of daily rituals from birth to death. Childbirth often takes place on it and a cart is put upright when a person dies. When I was studying in, in NID, we had a small lane alongside, along which were these slum areas. And every morning we'd see these carts stood up vertically and people bathing behind them. So, you know, as an object, it fits in our lives in so many different ways. And I think that is a very Indian way of doing things where one thing can do so many functions in a very light and sensible manner. In India, the charpai is also known by many names, such as khat, khatiya, manji and manja. It is made not just in a variety of designs, but also sizes, each with its own name. A khatola is a small charpai made for kids. A dohari khat is a khat within a khat made for a mother and her newborn. A machan is a mega-sized khat that can fit 8 to 10 people, whereas a regular charpai can fit 4 people at best. A machan is popular for public gatherings, and that is where the beauty of the charpai lies. In the multiplicity of its uses, the simplicity and elegance of its design, and its minimalistic use of materials. You can bring home the antiquity of the charpai as a texture on your wall, in a range of colors with Tana Bana by Asian Paints Royal Play, a first-of-its-kind range of wall textures inspired by Indian handicrafts and weaves. Click on the link in the show notes or SMS PLAY to 56161 to know more.